to Sanctuary First Debate Show and we're delighted to have with us tonight James Cuthcart. Hello Albert, pleasure to be here. Good to see you James and also we have Laura Dygan. Hello everybody. And of Great course yours truly Albert Bogle and together the three of us we're going to be talking about angels. Now let's just confess none of us are specialists in angels so we are not authorities on angels, but we just thought it'd be worthwhile having a conversation among friends about angels. What do you think? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, uh -huh. It's um, actually, it'd be good to get a discussion going, um, you know, and also if people have got, if people have got their own thoughts, you know, to share them, or if we do have actual people who are authorities out there, it would be really good to hear from them too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There are some things in Scripture that that we ministers of the gospel are aware of, and we and we can talk about. And there are other areas where there is a mystery, and uh, especially within the Reformed tradition, there are certain areas where we we almost we almost leave an area to say that's holy ground. Be careful that we don't tread on material and ideas that we don't know enough about and we can't even understand. Mm -hmm. But let's be careful that we don't um, in some way undermine the reality of the precious things of God that are expressed in Scripture, that we see in Scripture, but also we can perhaps listen to other sources and listen to other experiences and learn from them, but we don't maybe hold them as having the same scripture authority as we see in the in the old and the new testament that we hold today but we're going to have a discussion that might take us into other areas and other people's experiences and i think that would be good so totally and if you can't talk about angels in december when can you talk about exactly. angels you know this is the this is the time of angels isn't it in our christian tradition we don't necessarily talk about angels too much um uh, for 11 months but then you can't move for angels in december can you and yet when they're in their place hanging above a stable that's fine we can deal with that but we kind of keep angels there don't we we don't always keep angels with us throughout the rest of the year so it's gonna be interesting to think about angels and they certainly exist on the kind of edge of our understanding i think you're right there albert i think so and i think there is a need for us to just be careful that we don't try to uh, you might say wipe that whole area of the spiritual dimension of life out in order that it sits in with our rational concept of what we see with our own eyes. But there are things that are around that we don't see, but are equally real. And, and I've often thought, I think somebody was saying to me the other week when we we're talking about heaven, that I'd been talking about heaven might be in another dimension. It might be, you know, it's, it's in the same level in another dimension. It need not be, oh, you know, somewhere up high in the sky but it could be, and then someone said, oh, you've been watching too many Doctor Who episodes. But it is thinking about in another way that heaven is in another dimension and there's a spiritual dimension that is beyond our understanding. But scripture does talk about the seven heavens, the different heavens, the different layers of things. So there is something there that's beyond us. But let's start with a story this is the good time of the year to start with the story of, let me think now, no, Zachariah. What do you make of that story? How do you think Zachariah was feeling? Whenever uh, he was told, uh, I think he was maybe going to feel a wee bit, um, really, well, he was kind of, he felt as if, uh, that that just wouldn't happen. The message that he got, that, that him and his wife were going to have a baby. Um, and he was, uh, yes, he was uh, quite, um, uh, it was kind of scoffing, wasn't it? It was like, ah, oh, no, that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, I wonder how he felt about seeing the angel. I mean, was he, you know, this was such a, I mean, I was thinking it was such a special experience for him, was it not? 
going in to be chosen to intercede for the people of God, you know, and go into, would it be the, was he going into the Holy of Holies? You know, and we see him this special, given this special role to play. And in, in that presence, he encounters the, the, the presence of, of the angel. And, and if, exactly what you're saying, the angel almost tells him off and says, look, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. <laughs> it's such a kind of funny, sort of strange experience, isn't it? Kind of encounter to imagine this idea that this angel tells him that you are going to have a son. You know, he's, he's perhaps hoped for this for some time, but put it away and put it in a corner. And one of the things that, that struck me when we came to the story uh, this time around is there's that bit where he asks, I think, how can I be sure or how, you know, how can I know, how can this be sort of thing? And I think it's interesting when you think about in our context that we sometimes joke about wishing that God would send us a neon sign, you know, and for a lot of us, if an angel suddenly rocked up and told you something was going to happen, we might think, well, that's enough. That's, that, that's enough to go on, right? But for Zechariah, that wasn't enough to go on. And so I wonder if actually... You know, often we say we want God to give us these big signs and these bold sort of obvious arrows pointing us the way to go. But even if God did, would we not perhaps also be like Zechariah and think, mm, I'm not sure. And it's interesting to think that even in this miraculous encounter, doubts continue. And I think sometimes we think that the miraculous takes away doubts, but perhaps it just complicates them um, and makes them kind of more layered. Um, it's kind of interesting you know, when, to when, when you think of that, and then you think of, you go back into the Old Testament to the story of Abraham. Abraham, I was just thinking the messenger. that, yes. The <laughs> angels come and, and, and he doesn't realize they are angels, but he gives them hospitality. Mm -hmm. And then in the midst of all that, the angels come and, 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 and Sarah laughs because she thinks, you know, who are these guys? You know, that's not going to happen, you know, at my age. You know, and the... Uh, that, but but Abraham's entertaining angels unawares, and that, is that not alluded to in, I think it's in Hebrews, where it says, and many have entertained angels unawares. So absolutely because i've got i got the verse here because it's uh, my sort of favorite angel verse so i thought it was my, the one thing i came equipped with albert uh, so i'll just read it in the kjv um where uh, in the king james version which says be not forgetful to entertain strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares and so that's my favorite angel verse and one of my favorite verses in the bible um and that kind of sort of it's not kind of it's kind of a winsome kind of thing it's not saying anything too clearly i think that verse but it's telling us something about the kind of wonder that comes from the act of hospitality and it and it would seem as you say to be a, a direct link back to, to the abraham story um but but it also kind of encourages us to think about well where where are we setting our boundaries where are our expectations what do we think is going to happen and do we open the door to other people but also open the door to possibility um and to what could be right under our nose yeah and i think that encounter with see and i think as well it's this way like the, that wait, we Abraham. That was a that was an encounter that actually was it was a it was pleasant, wasn't it? You know, and it is, and it's welcoming a guest, and it's not, it's not too, it, it's not scary. But then you've got this whenever you know Mary encounters you know the angel Gabriel, and it's like now I think that you know that's like quite an awesome encounter especially what she's been told and um the expectation around that that's it's again it's like and it's this you know it's there's something like really awesome in that and probably frightening as well in that encounter and and so it makes you wonder you know it's like so god's got messages for people and and he's using the angels you know as a messenger but it's like it's like maybe degrees of like you know right well how how much can we really impact on people here <laughs> you know how how like intense is this to be for them to um you know uh to, to listen and to um 
you know, go along with it. Um, the, the immediacy, you know, so there's a real immediacy about the encounter that Mary has with um, the angel Gabriel, um, where there's more of a kind of gentleness with um, the encounter with Abraham. Yeah, and here's the interesting thing. We seem to have allowed ourselves to, in some way, to paint the picture of the angel coming to Mary with some kind of bright light and something. Mm -hmm. that, but it doesn't, from my memory, if you look at the, the, the narrative, it doesn't say that. It just says an angel came to Mary. Mm -hmm. you know, so an angel, a messenger. So could it mean just somebody dressed in their normal clothes? You know, mm -hmm. just like these messengers that, that Abraham seemed to have met, they weren't, they, they weren't, you know, supercharged in some way. They, they were very ordinary. And so, you know, maybe the angels, again, is was, was just a messenger bringing them, almost like a messenger saying, I'm bringing you this, this is what's going to happen to you. Uh -huh. and, and, but thinking about the message that they're bringing, you know, it's like for for a young woman, you know, to get this message, you know, and like see for like you know an ordinary stranger to say that to you, like what's going to happen, you'd be like, really, really, <laughs> you know, what's what's this? What is this? <laughs> hold hold the bus know? here. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's I think there right. must. I think for, for Mary to take that seriously, there must, I think there must have been some kind of um, sacredness about it. To know that, yeah, this is, this is real. You know, it's, because uh, it's, um, sometimes, um, I don't know, maybe in some traditions, uh, do you not smell different things whenever there's an angel? You know, smell things in the air? Um, I don't know. I've never met an angel, so <laughs> I can't, I'm not aware of that. I mean, I would like to. Uh -huh. my, my granny, my granny met an angel. Did she? Yeah, uh-huh. Mm -hmm. My grandmother used to tell me as a wee boy, she, 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 in my grandmother, you know, we would, when you go to visit her, um, she had a chair that she used to kneel down and pray at before she would go to bed at night. And so you're talking about a wee five-year-old or six-year-old boy and uh, and granny was getting ready for bed and you had to sit in the kitchen, you know, and wait for her to finish her prayers. And I used to think she prayed for an awful long time. <laughs> what is prayers, Granny? How long can you pray for? It just seems a long, long time to be praying. But she wasn't afraid to do that in front of her grandson. Mm -hmm. It's a great picture to have in my mind from that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I remember talking to her one day and she told me that she'd seen an angel when she was praying. And she said that the angel was beautiful and she said and it, and it the way she talked it was as though the angel looked to her to be female and she said she had beautiful white teeth oh. <laughs> she said so she had a picture of this and and she smiled at her and and i she, i don't think she said anything to her but but this presence of this angel was Almost as though she said that she felt as though she was, it was her guardian angel. Oh, oh. Do you know though, Albert, there's a lot of people, um, I know quite a few people that, you know, believe in guardian angels. They're not, they're not even church people, you know, they believe in guardian angels. And also, I know that there's people that will, believe that um that they'll pray to the angels you know and ask them you know to intercede on their behalf you know to god mm -hmm. um and a, a few people have said oh you can you know pray direct you know you, you don't need to but there's a comfort actually i think for a lot of people and the idea of 
you know, guardian angels, you know, like protecting them and looking after them. And uh, it's uh, it, there's something really quite beautiful, I think, around that. Well, I mean, I think there's a biblical concept of, you know, where Satan speaks to Jesus and says, does it not say that he will give his angels charge over you to protect you, lest you dash your foot against a stone? So the implication was that this was Jesus, the human, mm -hmm. being guarded. And mm -hmm. the implication was, and I think there's another passage of scripture, I need to pull my mind out, where it does talk about the idea of a guardian angel, that, that, that there is, you know, so there's this area of um, the guardian angel, but also we're told that we have been put into a completely different position almost because of who Jesus is. That the angels stand back and wonder at what God has done for us in Jesus. And, and we have a mediator. We go, can go... In the book of Hebrews, he talks about how Jesus is better than any angels. He's he's higher. He he's above all, and we can go in to directly to Jesus, our mediator. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And 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 this is the, the when we talk of angels, it's in order that we might talk of Jesus, and see how wonderful Jesus is and the angels look and worship and adore him you know and and we are called not to look at the angels but to look at Jesus mm -hmm. and it's interesting too and if you think in the scriptures about the work of the Holy Spirit the the, 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 the Spirit of God is continually saying don't look at me look at Jesus mm -hmm. you know and he, he is the, the the Holy Spirit comes to direct us to know Jesus, and so while we talk of these things tonight, it's in order that we might be taken into this whole spiritual realm of coming to know who Jesus is. God come among us at Christmas time, at this time. Mm -hmm. It's powerful, isn't it? That whole story, what it means for us. And, and that's kind of an answer to your story of those who get a comfort from speaking to the angels or praying to the angels. What we need to say to people is, you know, that's a lovely idea, but, you know, there is one who you're much closer to. He sticks to you closer than a brother. Yes. You know? And, and he brings us into Father's presence. And he says, Father... This is Laura, my sister. Mm -hmm. And he says, Laura, this is Father. I'm your brother. And it's that. And that's why mm -hmm. when we pray, Laura, when we pray, we don't pray in the angels' names. We pray, what do we say at the end of our prayers? In the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm -hmm. Through yes. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there is a name that's above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and earth shall bow. And every tongue confess that he is Lord. And so when we talk about angels, it's almost as though the angels have come among us and said, don't talk about us. Talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. They're pointing in the direction. That's it. They're pointing people in the direction of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what do we say about Jesus? Someone's listening in today. What what do we tell them about Jesus? Who is he? What what's this Christmas story all about? Well, what? I mean, <laughs> you know, Jesus um, is you know, as it says at the beginning of John's Gospels, the word that was in the beginning, you know, Jesus somehow, um, and it is another mystery, you know, Albert, but is this, um, 
god and humanity coming together fully human but fully divine and expressing this sort of perfect vision of love and bringing people together and reconciling creation to itself and so in the story of christmas we find out how that happens and how god decides to reveal jesus what that is as part of the trinity to the world um and so you know angels are part of that story um but they're kind of periphery to it you know they they, they move um things along but what it's about you know is is this child this infant this helpless infant being born in, in difficult and trying circumstances who grows up um and and lives this amazing beautiful short life um that that points the way um back to God. And, and, and it's interesting when you, you start talking about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God and the Trinity, you know, as we call it, is that you kind of keep moving. I think, you know, it keeps you moving. You talk about Jesus and it takes you to God. You talk about God and you think about the Spirit and it takes you to Jesus. And, um, you know, in the early church people, uh, there was this Greek term perichoresis, you know, this idea of moving around, dancing around um, mm -hmm. that we get. Um, and so there's this I think movement is part of the divine in a sense, you know, it's part of life, the sense of movement. Um, and so somehow perhaps angels, however we get a grip on what, <laughs> who and what angels are, are some way of helping make that movement happen. You know, they're not the melody of the tune, if you like, um, but maybe somehow part of the harmony of, of what God is, of the, the kind of, I'm stretching out of my knowledge of angels, which is minimal to my knowledge of music, which is also fairly minimal. <laughs> um, but, you know, this idea that, that there is more than we can, there's more than we can possibly know, um, and angels are somehow part of that. But as we've been saying, they reflect us, they reflect God, um, and they reflect us back to God. Um, and, and back to Jesus. Um, and it's all about Jesus. We keep coming back to Jesus. Jesus is is the answer. Jesus is the way, the truth, the light. How many answers do you need, Albert? How many answers? I, yeah, but I think, the bread, the bread. Uh, yeah. I, and of course, people ask Jesus, so what, what is the key thing? What, what is the key come up? What do we need to do to be part of this whole understanding of God to be, what do we need to do to be in conversation with God, to be, to know God? And, and, and Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, the other night there in Presbytery, there was a debate going on about the five marks of mission. And someone asked the question to the convener who was talking about the, the mission of this new Presbytery that's been formed. <clears throat> Do you really need five marks of mission? Do you just need the first two or three marks, which were <clears throat> all about coming to a head knowledge of understanding how we can be saved and have our sins forgiven and be in relationship with God. Surely that's what the church is about. And these other areas of thinking about justice for all and thinking about caring for the world, these are things that are not particularly Christian but belong to just humanity. And of course, that person was so mistaken because mm -hmm. they had narrowed down the power of the gospel. Yeah, I was just going to say that, Albert. I'm going. Laura and I were both like, "Where's this going? Where's this going?" <laughs> they, they oh, down... Do not know Jesus. They had do narrowed not down the Jesus. power of the gospel because Jesus said, "To love the Lord your God with all your mm -hmm. heart and with all your soul and with all your mind is to love your neighbor as yourself, and to see mm -hmm. the, the needs in the world." And to be Christ-like in doing that. Uh -huh. And so, you know, Christianity is, and is, is all about this whole idea of love. We love him because he first loved us. You know, and we're going to be looking at this in February, James and Laura, in, in our themes. But one of the things we're going to be looking at is just how at the heart of everything is the first cause. What brings everything? 
this whole universe around us, what, what is it? What's, what was the cause of it? It was love. Mm-hmm. And see whenever we, we show that, see whenever we show that face of Christ to other people that really need it, you know, that really, really need to, to see uh, the love of the Lord. And just because the, 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 they're in the depths of despair or their life situation is like so difficult. And so many times when we do that, you hear you hear people saying, Oh, they just came just like an angel. You know, oh, they were like they were like my guardian angel there just whenever I needed them. It was like God sent an angel. And so there's like God sent an angel. And we become the angels. We become the messengers of God. Yes. Uh-huh. But do you think maybe that's what Jesus was saying when he when John in the Revelation had the vision to write to the seven churches and he addresses to the angel for seven churches, to the angel at Ephesus, to the angel uh-huh. at Sardis, mm-hmm. write this. So that it wasn't, that angel wasn't necessarily uh, a spiritual being in connected with in the other dimension of God's presence, but it sounds as though they were kind of human angels. Mm-hmm. Yes. Aye, exactly. As it's the actual body of Christ that's that's there in those places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing, guys. So here's the thing, if I can if I can take us on a tangent, because this whole <laughs> idea of being the force for good, being on the side of the angels and, and being in the world is really interesting. And so what do you think? So you know me, I'm all about my words and etymology and all the rest of it. Um, and obviously angel messenger, I believe, you know, is, is what that kind of word is. But see that term angelic, don't you think it's become kind of bland? I mean, if you were to describe someone as angelic, are you kind of saying nice but a bit boring i mean like you know hasn't the word angelic lost a lot of power if you were to say you know because we're talking about you know these awesome angels in the bible and, and about what it is to be angelic but if you were to describe someone as angelic if i was to say oh i met someone and they were they were angelic you'd think well they were kind of sweet they were nice you know and and, and it's kind of lost its power hasn't it have we yes. have we taken that power have we robbed that power away from the word and what does it what does it really mean to be angelic do you think i, I think i think you might be right there james because i think whenever you say angelic you know somebody's angelic you get this idea of a like a wee a wee good child don't you a wee child that's you know quite high I, i'm imagining them blonde you know and white with blue eyes and you know kind of like and yeah, very quiet very <laughs> quiet and very good and i think perhaps you know like maybe stories you know especially stories that you know are you know aimed at children or maybe you know the classics you know that kind of thing not maybe not so much now but being brought up with those kind of stories i think it does it gives you this idea of what angelic really is. But angelic, you know, as um if you if you look at the kind of um the myths, you know, from like Jewish literature, where um I don't know if anybody knows about it, but like the the book of um Enoch was uh, one of the 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 comes from Jewish literature um, and that was you know they found remains of that in the Dead Sea Scrolls um, and this was like so you had angels like uh, Michael the archangel Michael and Gabriel and other ones battling against the angels that were um, that had well the fallen angels that had um, interbred with you know the the human females and uh, they were they were no good these ones, but there was a battle, you know, a real battle with them. And so to be angelic uh, isn't um, to be sweetness and light. To be angelic is, you know, in that context, is to be a warrior, you know, fighting for um, 
what's holy and right and being on the side of God. Like I've got this, my uncle gave me it. Um, and I'm actually putting it at my front, my new front door, and it's um, the Archangel Michael, um, you know, battling the sword against, you know, like a demon. <laughs> so it's like, it's, uh, I being an angel is, um, and being angelic is not, um, is not, is not sweet or cute mm. or good, you know, like, mm, it's not bland anyway. <laughs> absolutely and so maybe in our kind of um i don't know the way we depict you know the nativity and the way we depict these kind of things through art and all the rest of it um maybe we need to kind of keep problematizing that and thinking about well how how can we communicate the idea of what it is to be angelic like who are angelic figures today um mm -hmm. and and they're maybe not sweet and small and mm -hmm. demure and quiet um mm -hmm. and actually carrying God's message in the world and being angelic might mean a different kind of personality or way of being. Right. Um, so, uh -huh. yeah. Albert, it looks like you're deep in your books there. I'm just looking at this quotation. It's an interesting story. In the Second Kings, chapter six, and it's about Elisha and his servant, and they're surrounded by an army. It's going to defeat them at Dotham, mm -hmm. and the servant. You know, he doesn't know what to do. And when the servant of the man of God got up in the morning and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. You know, and I've always think, you know, it's almost as though the servant gets up to go out to get the morning rolls. <laughs> he goes back in and he sees this huge army and he comes running back to his servant. He says, what am I going to do? We're surrounded by an army. A whole army. And in and, and Elisha says, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open this laddie's eyes. Well I put the wee laddie bit in myself, you know, but <laughs> open the laddie's eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh. It's, this is what we've been talking about earlier on. It's mm -hmm. these eyes to see. We almost need, it's just all we need. The veil lifted, isn't it? Uh -huh, to see uh, what's there. Yeah. Open his eyes. So Alicia had the second sight. He could see something else. So people talk about the second sight, but Alicia had the second sight. He could see, uh, and and I think sometimes we're we're because we've got the scripture, because we have got the Bible, because we're we're, we're reformers. And we we think we we say everything we need to know about God is in the scripture, and that is true. But when we get to know, read things in the scriptures about God, we then get a wee bit uneasy at the idea that there might be second vision, that we might see something else, because scripture's warning us, but we might see that. Mm -hmm. And it's almost as though we want to, we, we, we want to take scripture and, and lock it into a historical concept, lock it all up in that book, and don't dare come out. Mm -hmm. You know, just stay as a story for me. It's a nice story. But the book says, I'm not just a book. It's the whole point. I'm not just paper mm -hmm. and ink and words put together. Something amazing happens when the Holy Spirit comes and takes these stories and brings them to life and challenges us to think and believe and to trust in a new way. Mm -hmm. Aye. And just think, I was thinking there about the, the shepherds as well, the shepherds out in the field after the birth of Jesus, you know, and they, they even they were able to see, you know, the, the, the angels and be able to hear that good news and, 
you know, be awake and aware for it. Awaken, almost awaken. You know, I've often wondered about that. I thought, I've thought to myself, God, that must have been some sound system. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and some, some show, some screen, nothing that we could ever project, no light show could ever have beaten that. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. You know, mm-hmm. God puts on his light show and says, well, what do you think of that, boys? <laughs> I'm celebrating the birth of my son. Absolutely, and the idea that um, that you know it's the shepherds that get this message, um, a kind of people that are just out and about, working people, living a kind mm-hmm. of marginal sort of life on the edge, tending the sheep, um, uh, and that they are the ones that get this incredible, like you say, Albert Surround Sound Light Show experience. It's not like every president and every king and every you know what have you suddenly gets halted in their tracks. Like who? Who is God giving this this first news to? Um, someone you like know, you or me? You know, what came to me last? Just an ordinary person. Absolutely. What came to me the other night there when I was um, on 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 questions for life last night? We were thinking about just the whole mystery of how how God uses the poor and speaks to the poor. But then it came to me. Christmas story he also speaks to the rich and the wise yes and the wise men come and they come in this journey mm-hmm. and they come a long long way and they follow a star there's a mystical thing there as well it's not superstition this star for some reason was drawing them to Bethlehem and, you know, people wonder what that star was and there's a big discussion going on about that. But what came to me yesterday was thinking about this, the gifts that these wise men brought. And then Mary, <clears throat> 30 odd years later, finds herself on a Good Friday going home and saying to some of her family, and maybe some of the women that come to stay with her overnight. I, I'm just going to get the myrrh now mm-hmm. that Melchior brought. Mm-hmm. I kept it for the last 30 years. Yeah. And Melchior's, or whoever it was, is myrrh. The wise man's myrrh was used to anoint the body of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a powerful story of come back to Mary being told in this story as we start reading in, in Luke that this is going to break her heart so Mary's known about this for over 30 years it's, it's a powerful powerful story the angels had told her something but <clears throat> it became a reality <clears throat> and the wise men weren't angels but there were people who come from a different, almost a different country and a different tradition, and it brought something to the, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm. And there's that that bittersweet verse, isn't there, um, around the nativity about her Mary treasuring these things in her heart or, or something, if I if I remember. Um, and so yeah, you can imagine this idea of the a kind of because it's a strange gift you know to receive and and the idea that this would be um uh, that she would hold on to all these things how the story came together um and the idea of of mary as a as a mother you know over over the years of jesus's life and yeah it's quite um quite incredible to think about you know the gold is a king the frankincense of the priest bringing the worship and the praise to God and then the myrrh to anoint his body for his sacrifice and, and of course his resurrection but that whole amazing story is there to tell us that that we can start again and we can begin again because 
there is a new man. The man Christ Jesus has come to make a new way and to be part of God's new creation. And uh, I think this is all fascinating stuff, you know, as we start thinking about life and how we all progress through the years and we come now, here we are in the 21st century and we've got, we've now got machines and artificial um, intelligence. And it's an interesting thing, if you've got a chance, you should be listening to the Reith Lectures. Have you been listening to the Reith Lectures? I um, haven't. I mean to catch up with them, actually. Yeah, uh, because there's, the you know, um, Professor Russell is giving these lectures on artificial intelligence. And mm -hmm. the last one was about war and about how we're now creating, a, we've, now got, we've now got armaments that are almost, they, I mean, we say we don't, they can't think for themselves. But could they possibly think for themselves at some point? And where would that lead us? But up uh -huh. until now, we can still make decisions about how these uh, armaments of uh, artificial intelligence will go and, and do the killings for us. You can seek out your face and say, and 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 this this machine kills you, but. You can do it from a distance, and you know it's almost like a, you know, like a game, a, like a, a, game, game, a virtual mm -hmm. game. Where am I going with all this? I think I'm going to the point where, in the discussion, he talks about someone asking the question, "Do you think there'll ever be a time when wars will cease?" And I say yes, because the prophet Isaiah tells us. Mm -hmm. A day will come mm -hmm. when the lion and the lamb will lie down together and they'll beat their swords into plowshares. You know, and, and there's, you know, and weapons into pruning hooks. I, I, and we shall no more learn. So there is this, there is this vision of, a, of a, a new heaven and a new earth and of a new world that mm -hmm. God is making. It's not the end. You know, I think we need to not just poo-poo that, but it's something we long for for our children, our children's children, that that mm -hmm. can happen. And that's why mm -hmm. we sh that's why Christians are against against weapons and against nuclear weapons, because at the end of the day, they're not going to exist. God doesn't mm -hmm. want them. So you might as well just stop pushing to get them because they're not going to be here soon. <laughs> And the angels might agree with that. I think so. Yes, I think so. Mm -hmm. Well, where'd you go? We've come around quite a bit tonight, but uh, it's been an interesting discussion, don't you think? Mm -hmm. That's it. You start talking about angels and you start talking about everything, don't you? I know. <laughs> that's yeah. it. I know. Bye. But that's a really important point, you know, that, that you made, Albert, and, and that we've kind of returned to this idea that angels do turn us back. You know, we're not we're not meant to um, be obsessing about angels and making angels a kind of priority of, you know, you know, they're, they're somehow part of the picture, um, but they themselves point us back to Jesus. Um, and that's what matters. Absolutely. And our centre. And this is what helps us understand who God is. You know, people say to me, what does God look like? And I say, well, I've never seen God, but I think if you read the story of Jesus, you'll get a picture of what God looks like. Mm -hmm. God come among us in Christ. It's a great story, this whole Christmas story. It's there to bring hope into so many people's lives. And then we need to live it out. And I think that's the hard bit. But by the presence of God's Spirit in our lives, we can. Learning to encourage one another like this, but also to take time to pray through Jesus. And, 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 and so at the end of the day, 
we've got a master, we've got actually a master plan prayer. And it starts off, Our Father. Father. By the way, the angels don't get a mention in this one. <laughs> no. in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. That's why the artificial intelligence leads us on to start thinking, we're going to get so fed up with this that we're going to say, we need to get rid of all this. Your kingdom mm -hmm. come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that until that happens, give us this day our daily bread. You know, and, and it's that, that, that longing for give us our daily bread. There's enough bread to go around and feed the whole world. And there's a challenge for us all to care for the refugees and care for the people who, who there's mm -hmm. space in all of our world for everyone. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we need to talk more about that, you know. And when we pray these prayers, it, it, it's a challenging prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For it is your power and your glory forever and ever. Amen. I mean, and that's the prayer. I mean, that's the prayer. Laura, there's no mention of angels. No, no mention at all. No, no mention. So the angels, you know, they didn't carry the message because they forget them. But they bring the messages only one way. Mm -hmm. They say, no, I'm sorry, we're not allowed to take messages back. You've got to put that through Jesus. Aye. The Lord uses us to deliver his messages. We just, we just <laughs> deliver. We're the posties. I mean, you wouldn't go to the postman and say to the postman, and by the way, would you deliver this? No, 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 no. Nope. <laughs> I don't collect post. I deliver post. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's um, Aye. <laughs> Yeah. and well, that's listen. it and it's about being open isn't it to i think there's something there about being open as well to to being like you know abraham and zachariah and mary <coughs> that actually we're open to you know we're open to encounters you know because we we don't know whenever actually we might we might be talking to an angel we don't know who god might be using to give us a message uh, as he's you know so it's uh, it's about just uh taking the veil away and seeing just be like that oh, i'm hoping i'm hoping laura you might ask us about our christmas single that's coming out well, Albert, can you tell us about your Christmas single that's coming oh, out? Such a, such a natural segue, Albert. <laughs> Do you know this Christmas single is all about an angel? Did you know that? Oh. It's a friend of mine. And won't say, he might want to tell you sometime himself, so I'll not tell you. So I might just tell the story and not quite tell it because, you know, it's their hand. But this friend of mine told me that he was getting ready to leave the church. It was just past midnight on Christmas morning. The watch night service was over. You know, and everyone had gone. And he was just putting the lights out. And he went into the vestibule. And standing in the vestibule was a young man with a t-shirt on and shorts and a very kind of light jacket lying undone and my friend said to him i'm sorry this, the service is over and this guy looked at him and said oh i know he says well what can i do for you and the impression was and i don't know whether he heard it or what it was but the impression was don't ask me what i can do for you i'm here to tell you you're doing a good job oh and he, he, he on the back of his head goes up and he says, 
it's, it's snowing outside and all that. Can I give you a lift? Because you're not dressed for this weather. I'm just going to get my jacket. I'll be back out again. He goes in to get his coat to come out. He comes out. Guy's gone. He opens the church door and has a look around and the snow is falling. There's no footprints anywhere. Ah. He thinks to himself and feels. <laughs> what was that? Was that an angel? He goes home to his wife and he says to his wife, I think I might have had an angel tonight in church. She looked at him and she says, ah, you've been on the communion wine again. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny oh, how, you know, we just encounter the mystery of the divine and we're just a little bit anxious about it. Mm-hmm. So we make a joke about it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, wrote a song. <laughs> called Just Past Midnight, <laughs> and you can hear it on this programme, on this on this very place, within maybe sometime next week. So we'll release it next week. <laughs> Look out for it. It's going to hit the charts. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, listen, guys, I think we've chatted long enough tonight. I think we've had a really good uh, conversation about angels. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. And it'd be good to hear some of your comments because, of course, this is recorded at the moment, but we want to be able to hear your comments. So please, please comment on it because uh, when this goes out, we will be there and we'll be putting some comments beside this uh, particular broadcast and we'll be looking for comments and we'd love to get a conversation with you about it. So, um uh, until we meet up again, uh, the late show, sometime in January. But really, again, this has been a, a pilot. We've been doing some pilot things like questions for life and also for the late show. But we're going to be working. We'd like to get your view on this kind of show, how it went tonight, how you feel about it. Should we do more of this? Uh, we might have had some music tonight if uh, we had Ian with us. But Dr. Ian was uh, was otherwise engaged doing his doctoring. But uh, another time. So until next time we meet up on the late show, good night and God bless from Laura and James. <laughs> and James. Good night. That's what they do in the shows, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> good night and have a great weekend.